Support for Market Foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com. It's Monday, May 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. And joining me in studio today, it's not the usual Monday crew. It's not the usual Monday it's the, crew. It's the B, the B team. No, because it's not the usual <laughs> Monday. Back from Omaha, Nebraska, and the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. That's the dulcet tones of Fool.com analyst and sometime industry-focused host, Michael Douglas. Thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. You're fresh as a daisy, because you're young, and so you can travel to do a whirlwind trip to Omaha, Nebraska, and get back and then just look like you do. <laughs> well, I, I found that if you put enough caffeine and sugar into you, usually you're able to uh, to kind of fake fake your way through the workday. So. so, I mentioned this at the at the end of the week uh, on Market Foolery and I think on Motley Fool Money that, um, that you were part of the team that was out in Omaha. And for anyone who followed the coverage on Facebook or on the Motley Fool's main Twitter account, uh, what you saw early Saturday morning. You got what time were you guys up? Uh, I, I, Saturday morning to get to, and we'll get to what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talked <laughs> you know, about. The we'll we'll stuff, get to but... actually what happened at the meeting <laughs> and the takeaways for investors. But just a little bit of color. What was the time when you woke up Saturday morning? Because uh, the sun wasn't up. No, it was not. Um, I think it started with a four, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it's I. Yeah, it did start with a four. Uh, four thirty. Lovely. Yeah. So you get to the CenturyLink CenturyLink Arena, and you head up to the Catbird seat. Mm-hmm. You're way up high, and um, how long were you up there before the meeting? What time did the meeting actually begin? Was it eight or nine uh, local time? So the meeting began at. Well, so I mean, they start off with the the share you know a shareholder video and some other stuff and. That's uh, that's stuff that is not included in the webcast um, because there's a lot of celebrity cameos and kind of part of their their promise to those celebrities is, hey, it's not really marketing because it's just being shown to our shareholders. It's just a brand building thing for us. Okay, wait, wait. wait. Now I have to ask. Well, who are some of the celebrities? And oh, I mean, because Warren Buffett calls up and's like, I'd like you to do this video for my shareholders, and and who says yes? Oh yeah, I mean, you've got you know folks like you know. Dwight from the Office. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, Desperate Housewives. I mean, just a lot of, a lot of uh, big uh, pop icons. Nice. Um, and then I, I want to say that the webcast started at nine thirty local, um, and we hit the press box around six thirty. <laughs> so, so we were in place for a while beforehand. Okay. But, but keep in mind, you know, there's there's other stuff going on. So at, at um, around seven thirty or seven forty-five, uh, Warren Buffett went and did his traditional newspaper toss at a Clayton home because, in his as he calls it, sort of brief flirtation with honest labor, he um, was a newspaper boy, and so uh, he challenges shareholders to try to toss a newspaper better than him. Um, it was not clear who won, by the way, from the from the cheers and gasps of the crowd. And unfortunately, I wasn't quite close enough to see. But all right, let's get to the takeaways for investors. And let me just start with your headline. What's your What's your headline for this year's Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting? I think <laughs> I think the headline is well. The headline for most investors is um, even the even the best fall down sometimes, um, and you know, you had Warren Buffett sort of striking a more apologetic tone uh, than I've heard from him in the past. You know, where he's saying, "You know, listen, we, we we missed it on Google, and we missed it on Amazon, and 
IBM might have been a mistake. <laughs> um, and that was a lot, I, I don't know, sort of a lot more, hey, sorry guys, should have should have piled onto the internet and then realized that Big Blue, you know, wasn't wasn't going to quite turn it around. Then you usually hear from him, um, and so it's interesting because you've seen his kind of gradual shift toward. You know, he's always said, "Well, I don't really have any advantage when evaluating tech stocks, so I'm just not going to, you know, just not going to buy them." Um, and and then somehow IBM ends up as one of the big four. Well, yeah, and well, and he's got an Apple stake too. Although uh, their claim is that it's more of a kind of a consumer brand because of the iPhone than a tech company. Um, yeah, and you know. Just full stop. Like, hey, because of that, you know, we've missed out on some really big winners. What was the reaction from people that you spoke to uh, about IBM? Because that was the big news on Friday that it, that it breaks that, and and there were going to be questions about IBM coming into this meeting, just mm-hmm. like at last year, you know, heading into the meeting, um, or maybe it was at the meeting. I remember there was just sort of this. No, it was before. There was just sort of this somewhat public break mm-hmm. between Buffett and Charlie Munger where where essentially Munger said I told him not to buy more and he did anyway and it, you know he's my leader I follow him I mean I'm I'm grossly paraphrasing there sure. so that I mean that was that was a narrative last year this year Friday morning the story breaks Buffett we've basically sold about a third of it mm-hmm. what people that you talked to what was their reaction because it wouldn't surprise me if there was at least one person you talked to who was just flat out mad like I I've been holding this thing cuz he defended it and now he just shed a third you know it's surprising actually um I heard a lot more from people about uh, about the other tech stocks and just because you know when you think about it you know IBM Apple Facebook, you know, Google, like these are things that I think people are just a little bit more interested in than IBM. And so, actually, folks were, uh, it was not nearly as big of a topic of conversation as I would have expected. Okay. Um, there was a lot more kind of about the tech stocks because they're the big brands that people are thinking about. You know, everyone's on Amazon, all that kind of stuff. In terms of the airlines, yes, w- Becky Quick was on Motley Fool Money. That was the first thing that she said. You know, you know, in terms of what she wanted to ask him and and. Uh, she was pretty clear about um, her experience as a her reaction as a consumer and as someone who's watched public companies for twenty years. You know her reaction to the whole United Airlines incident. Um, how did Buffett respond? It's interesting because um, he he got a couple of different questions about airlines, and he never really addressed the United Airlines incident specifically. Um, kind of the way he approached the airline industry uh, in talking about it was he basically said, "Well, listen." Um, it's not a great business, but uh, rev- you know passenger miles will probably increase over the next five to ten years, and so we bought the big four because we really couldn't tell which one was going to outperform the others, so we just bought all four. It was just sort of like a okay, and it was interesting because you know he certainly he 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 took shots at other CEOs you know as he as he has in the past, but really the only CEO who really got the full brunt was uh, John Stump from Wells Fargo. I want to come back to that. It's interesting to me about the the narrative of the four airlines, mm-hmm. and it's it's comforting for me to hear Buffett say we bought all four because we couldn't really figure out which one was the best one. Um, it's comforting to, on two levels: one, just because it's nice to know that Buffett is unsure about things, <laughs> right. but two, it um, it goes against. Those analysts, and there were a few analysts mm-hmm. who, when the news came out last year that Berkshire Hathaway is buying four airlines, 
they took they interpreted that as he loves airlines. He loves them so much, he bought four of them. That's uh-huh. how great airlines are. And it's nice to hear Buffett say, no, 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 we just couldn't figure out which one. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it, it was sort of like one of those stories where it's like negative, 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 oh, terms positive at the very end. And it was just sort of like he and Munger were both like, I mean, it's an okay business, I guess. You know, it, they, they were a lot less effusive about those companies than I would have kind of expected for something that was a Berkshire Hathaway holding. But you know, when it comes down to it, you know, they, they, they have a scale problem. You know, they have so much money <laughs> that it's hard for them to deploy it effectively and they can't, you know, they, they can't go after a bunch of small caps or anything like that. And so they're in this kind of disadvantage where they kind of have to take, you know, I think good singles and doubles, but they're not necessarily getting grand slams anymore. So Wells Fargo, John Stumpf, uh, do you get the sense that he took Stumpf to task for the for the scandal there, or or is he just at a point in his life where he's like, I'm going to make my comments publicly, but I'm not, uh, I, I don't have the interest to call him up on the phone and ream him out. Given given um, how organized his commentary was. Um, I think he'd given it a lot of thought, and so I would not have been surprised if he had talked to Stumpf about it. Because he basically said, you know, Buffett Buffett is this really nice, loquacious Midwestern guy, right? And so he he sort of talks around things a lot, and you know, he'll like sort of have a point and then kind of circle back to it later. But he he just sort of said, listen, there were three mistakes that were made, and then he just lays them out. And he said, number one, um, they didn't incentive system built around cross-selling services per customer, not necessarily a bad thing, on its own. But this one was incentivizing their own behavior. Number two, uh, the biggest mistake. If there's a major problem, the CEO will get wind of it. And at that moment, I'm quoting here, the CEO has to act. Then number three, they totally underestimated the impact of the issue. And he was like, number two outweighs the other two far and away. But full stop, CEO, buck stops there. They must do something. And, and you know, that was just his chance to go back to, you know, back in the 90s when I was uh, called up in front of uh, the House Representatives, you know, right. I said, you know, if you, if you damage our country, our uh, company's uh, reputation, I will be ruthless. Um, he, so he sort of, Contrasted that with how he handled things, and you know that's a situation where I think a lot of people point to that and assume that Buffett is going to act that way with any company's management where he has a major stake in the company. And and in the intervening years, it seems like he's drawn a little bit of a distinction because in the case of was it Solomon Brothers? Mm-hmm. Solomon. In the case of Solomon, he. Um, he was essentially called in to rescue the company. This is not, oh, we've taken a 5% stake, an 8% stake, that kind of thing. This is, please, for the love of God, save us. And that's where he's like, all right, well, if I'm going to save you, then I'm going to uh, I'm going to throw my weight around a little bit more. Right. And he's not going to do that with, you know, he didn't do that a couple of years ago with Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And you know, didn't really do it with with Wells Fargo. Yeah, and you know, I the the way I, I think of it is, I wouldn't be surprised if he you know called somebody up and said, "Here's some unsolicited advice." You know, just a thought for you to think about. You know, sort of thing, as opposed to like this happens or else. Um, you know, I, I mean, he he's a guy who likes sharing tips. You know, he likes sharing ideas. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, if he did in some of these cases. But you know, that's total speculation. So much cash that they've got at their disposal, as you said, and I think there are a lot of people who are just wondering when is the next big deal going to come, and you know he's not going to announce it. He's nope. not going to be like, "Here are the four companies we're kicking the tires on." Yep. Was there any talk either from Buffett or from anyone that you talked to that mm-hmm. sounded 
like a reasonable bet? Like, were there any conversations you had over the weekend where someone's like, "Here's where I think he's going to go. Here's the direction," or was it just like, you know what? It's all conjecture. We're all just like throwing darts at a board blindfolded. Oh, definitely darts at a board blindfolded. Because I mean, who would have predicted precision cast parts? Right? I mean, it, who would have predicted that he was going to buy Apple stock? You know, the, these these things aren't in keeping with sort of like traditional Buffett. Um, and yet, you know, here we are. He owns Precision Cast Parts, and and they uh, they bought a bunch of uh, shares of Apple. Um, and so I I think um, shareholders, as often is the case, tried a lot of different ways to get him to answer the question. So there are people like, well, for a general investor, what <laughs> sectors do you think are attractive right now? And what are the sort of characteristics of a business that you tend to, you know, sort of like just trying to get him to drop a hint? And he was just like, nope, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, he said, it, of course, in his very nice way, but um, he just refused to give any any insight. And it was interesting because, you know, he and he and Munger basically said, listen, like, we know we need to make some mega deals. Um, if we're unable to, you know, one of the things we'll think about is um, raising our, our share buyback floor. Um, they even hinted at a dividend. Um, and so there's an ongoing dividend or a one time like, look, we've got the cash. We're just here's one here's one time one off. <laughs> um, well, since they only hinted at it, they didn't get into any specifics at all. Okay. Um, and so I mean, you know, listen, don't don't do anything based on that because that's just that's basically two of them saying, well, yeah, if we're unable to like do anything, then we'll do something, you know, sort of thing. But uh, um, I I think um, I I got the sense that something will happen in the next. That that they're expecting to do something in the next couple of years, um, and so if that doesn't happen, I think that's when some of those conversations will start. The drumbeat will start getting louder. What I love about Munger and Buffett is that there's this willingness to, on the part of so many investors and so many people in the business media to look. They're so smart. Mm-hmm. They're both so experienced, and they have. Earned every bit of respect that is accorded them, mm-hmm. as it should be. But I just love the fact that everyone gives them so much leeway, as opposed to treating them like the average. How old is Buffett's eighty six, mm-hmm. and Munger's ninety three. Ninety three. Okay, as opposed to treating them like the average eighty six and ninety three year old person. Right. Who, when they say something, a lot of times your reaction is going to be like, "Well, I mean, he's ninety three. <laughs> he can say whatever he wants." You <laughs> right. know. He's, um, uh, we're going to talk more Berkshire Hathaway in just a minute, but I'm going to say thanks to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust and has your best interest in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. Nobody likes paperwork. No. Nobody likes paperwork. Nope. Isn't it always weird when you meet someone who who's like, oh, I totally love like digging. It's like, really, you do? And you enjoy killing trees. I can mean, you can you go uh, like what kind of monster are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes, and you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home. Or you're looking to refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. So skip the bank, skip the waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. We were talking before about Amazon and Alphabet, and he's saying, ah, oh, we missed it, we missed the boat. I'm curious if you think, specifically when it comes to Amazon, if 
you think that stock is gone forever from Berkshire Hathaway because I I could see I could see Buffett just saying, look, there's nobody I respect more than. Jeff Bezos, and mm-hmm. it and it appears that in fact that is the case. Yeah, or, or, or pretty close to it anyway. In terms of public company CEOs, mm-hmm. Bezos is number one on his list. Um, but I'm wondering, I'm sort of balancing that and his like, hey, we missed it. it you know, it's 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 such a big company. Um, I'm balancing that against the fact that e-commerce makes up about nine percent of all commerce around the world, and so. I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball here. Do you think at some point, just as it was a surprise when Berkshire Hathaway bought Apple, do you think we're going to be surprised at some point by finding out that Berkshire Hathaway has bought some shares of Amazon, even if it's after Warren Buffett is gone? Would that surprise you? Because, again, just the opportunity of E-commerce relative to total commerce right now—it's a still a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 would not shock me actually. Um, you you just you you look at, I mean, as you said, the sort of massive demographic and technological tailwinds behind e-commerce, um, and it's pretty clear to me that that is a long-term huge growth market, um, and your Amazons, uh, you know. Amazon may be the big player, but it's not the only one, and there is a lot of opportunity, a lot of untapped opportunity still. Um, and also, I mean, think about it this way: I mean, as 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 buying things becomes more frictionless and more online, you know, the the pie grows. So even if e-commerce is nine percent of the total pie today, the total pie will get bigger um, as world population gets bigger and as people get. It just gets easier to just click a button and spend a thousand bucks. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, so I, I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think. Um, as he has, you know, over time shifted from kind of the Ben Graham model to to something that's more of kind of a hybrid kind of growth value sort of thing, um, I think um, Amazon would be an appropriate step, perhaps at some point. Two more questions, and I'll let you get back to work. Um, anything else from the weekend on the business side of things that struck you? It could be a question that someone asked at the Q&A. It could be something from the expo, because Berkshire loves to have their companies on display, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it can be business-related, or it can just be something that surprised you. I'm just looking for one sort of business-related highlight from your weekend. What if I give you three? Sure. All right. Um, first off, uh, AI. He sees it as, as a huge opportunity, and something that um, and this gets this gets really back to that question you just asked me about Amazon. Like he is is thinking, I think more and more about some of these really technological growth markets. And he says basically he expects really great things to come out of AI. Um, and you and I both know that's going to affect things like e-commerce. It's going to affect the internet. It's going to affect lots of other things, potentially insurance. Um, and so that's something that's definitely on his mind. Uh, number two, more of a threat: driverless cars. Uh, he dished on that pretty extensively and and basically said, listen, if driverless cars get uh, a lot of um, strength, you know, a lot of market share. That's going to be because they're safer than regular cars. That'd be great for society. Be kind of bad for auto insurers. Full stop. Um, <laughs> third, um, and by the way, we own Geico. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um, the the third hey, thing. They're, n- they're they're not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them free airtime. Um, and then and then thirdly. Um, uh, he he was asked a question about uh, the uh, American Healthcare Act, uh, also sort of more colloquially known as Trump Care, um, and 
it was interesting because uh, you know he he basically said, listen, like uh, health spending in the U.S. is growing really quickly and business is bearing the the brunt of it. And he said, you know, to be honest, you know, business execs talk about taxes and corporate tax rates. That's a red herring. The real problem is healthcare. That's the real expense that is making us less competitive. And then Charlie Munger just pops up and is like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Europe's socialized. They've got an advantage. And you're just like, oh, well, okay then. Well, and I mean, that's one of those Munger bombs. I was just going to say, (laughs) back to my comment about him being 93 years old. Charlie Munger, lifelong Republican. Right. Not necessarily something you would expect to hear out of his mouth. No. Um, And yet, and yet there he was. And he actually called out manufacturing specifically. He said, you know, that's a clear advantage that uh, other countries have. In terms of visiting Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. this was your second time. I don't know if it was your second time in Omaha. It was your second time at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. One place I should go eat next time I'm in Omaha? <sighs> okay. Well, everyone has to go to Garat's once. Garat's. Yeah. Uh, which it's a steak place? It's a steak place, and uh, Buffett's been recommending it in every annual letter since the 1995 uh, annual <laughs> letter. So, uh, and yes, I checked. Does he have um, an ownership stake? <laughs> to my knowledge, no. Okay. Uh, I think it's a childhood friend. Um, but I, I've got to say, the uh, 22 ounce T-bone uh, with hash browns, which is his recommended uh, combo. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was pretty darn good. Um, I did not try the the Buffett endorsed root beer float, but. Um, I, don't, yeah. I think after a 22-ounce T-bone and hash browns, I don't think I would be up for any dessert. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. Actually, the uh, my colleague Anant and I were um, were covering the, the Berkshire meeting together, and after Garatz, we took a four-hour walk <laughs> <laughs> just to just to like get you know our stomachs kind of settled down before we went to bed to get up at you know four something in the morning. There's a lot more coverage of the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting from Michael Douglas and his colleagues. You just go to fool.com and you'll find it all. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.